This is an AMI podcast. Hello, I'm Joyita Gupta, host of The Pulse on AMI-audio. It's a show featuring in-depth conversation about the biggest challenges facing the disability community. With today's fast-paced news cycles, it's often hard to get the big picture. Join me and other members of the disability community as we take a deeper dive into the issues that matter to you. Listen to The Pulse wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Straight ahead, Lewis. Come on, straight ahead. Attaboy. Okay, Lewis, wait, wait, sit. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther. We're out here on the ice searching for the ice shack. Hey, we're going to be hearing from Miss Lily on smells. How do we smell? And how do things smell both ways? We're going to get into some planning for that bucket list ecotourism destination. You know, we're just early January, but it's time. It's time to plan because people are booking now. And if you don't book, you're not going to get the week you want. You're not going to get the cabin you want. You want to book early for those ecotourism family destinations. And we got a great one. We were there last summer. Fantastic. We're going to get some tips and texts from AMI this week. I did this episode for them cooking on my back deck. So hang on. Let's get to that cabin. Let's get warm. Getting Schooled with Miss Lily. Hello, Lily. Did you get us some interesting smell facts about food? Yes, indeed. About how we smell food and the way food smells. That's the difference? First off, everyone knows we taste food using our tongues. Yeah. But turns out our tongues are limited to about half a dozen different sensations. Sweet, sour, like salty, bitter, savory things, you know, things like that. Right, yeah. Whereas the sense of smell is way more diverse and refined and is capable of distinguishing between thousands of different smells. Man, you know what? I love smelling food. Me too. Yeah. So if you can taste food using about half a dozen different tastes, but you can smell food more than a thousand different ways. It just makes sense that smell is way more important than how we appreciate food. They say with this different flu bugs and colds, you lose your sense of smell and you lose your sense of taste. Like if you can't smell food, you can't really taste it. It's crazy. Like you think, how could the two be connected? But I guess that, you know, a thousand to one, the odds are stacked in favor of smell. Did you know Lewis can smell 10,000 to 100,000? thousand times better than we can yeah and he has to sit in the stinky office with you all day (laughs) i have to sit in the office with him all day what are you talking about (laughs) but do you know why things smell the way they do no according to the food science writer harold mcgee a lot of smells that we enjoy in foods is associated with the molecules found in many other non-food things that you would never have thought of really yep probably don't want to know but are common to our everyday lives Uh uh-oh This doesn't sound good. Yeah, I'm still going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) McGee says the same smelly molecules in food can also be found in things like cat pee, dog urine, vomit, and human sweat. Yeah, apparently these similarities are a result of our sharing many of the same microbes. The microbes digest the molecules and create the smells. Yeah, that's why you don't let your dog lick you. Thankfully, we only really experience the smells of different molecules like proteins and fats when they are broken down. Yes. Most molecules are too big to smell because they're like not able to fly through the air and reach our noses. Well, that's interesting, right? If we could smell everything all the time at an intense level, it would just be insane, right? Oh, man. Thank yeah. God for the fat molecules. <laughs> yeah, really. Like, so you have to break them down so they can fly up and get into your nose. Yeah. Okay. 
Makes sense. Well, cooking is one way to break apart large molecules into like little bitty ones. And those smaller ones are what we experience as the typical aromas of cooking food. That's more reason why smell is the dominant sense we use to appreciate eating and food. And cooking. I love cooking because all those smells come out of the pots and pans, man. It's like... Oh, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Well, okay, you like eating meat, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yeah. Here's something you should know. <laughs> the food that animals eat to grow affects the way the animals taste when you eat them. Yeah. 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 Of course it does. But according to McGee, it's not as simple as you would think. When you eat beef, it's not that you actually taste grass or grains. It's actually the fats in the grass and grains that the animals eat. Grass has fat. If you're eating grass-fed beef, you don't want to smell grass. And you don't yeah. want to taste grass. I mean, what does grass taste like anyways? But you don't want to taste it. So, yeah, it's got to taste like Bad. something else besides grass. The fats and oils in grains are quite different from the fats in, and oils in grass. Mm-hmm. People in mm-hmm. North America prefer the flavor of grain-fed beef. That's what we're used to. Right. Grass-fed beef is much leaner and tastes different. Which is what people in South America prefer because a lot of beef in places like Brazil is raised on pasture 365 days a year because of the warm climate. Yeah, they can just let their cows roam around, right? You know what? I've been to restaurants and I sat down and, and people have ordered, you know, grass-fed beef because it's on the menu. And everyone thinks, oh, I'm going to do the organic thing. And they sent it back because it didn't taste right. They said, well, this tastes funny. And I said, yeah, it tastes like grass-fed beef. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The same is true for fish, though. Yeah? Fish eat other fish, which gives them their very fishy taste. There, There's the answer. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. But aquaculture or farmed fish isn't that sustainable if you need to feed fish about six kilos of fish to produce a single kilo of farm-raised fish. That is not sustainable. No, no, no. It's not. No. <laughs> they are looking for ways to feed these fish grains. But so far, it hasn't worked out so well. Well, that's a special type of fish that doesn't have a lot of flavor. Those tilapia, tilapia just, oh yeah, they yeah. eat algae. And if you have very plain algae, the fish tastes very plain. And then you can dress it up to taste whatever you want it I to actually, taste like. I don't like the taste of fish, but I tasted tilapia. I put butter on it, and it was the only actually fish I liked because it didn't taste like fish. No, you're just tasting butter. Yeah, exactly. It's a dress-up fish. You could dress it up for any occasion. It gets. It's more interesting, though. All right. Um, according to Harold McGee, the reason that cheese and vomit have a similar smell is because both contain several of the same volatile molecules. That how we perceive these same molecules depends on what we are doing at the time. If we're sitting down to eat a piece of cheese, our reaction to these molecules adds to the flavor of the cheese. If we're feeling sick and staring at a toilet, then the smell of the same molecule generates a quite different reaction. It's all about where mm-hmm. you are at the time. Wow. I love cheese. I feel like I could eat cheese at any time in any place, even if I'm Can completely eat, sick. Even if you're on the toilet? Yeah, probably. <laughs> There's an image you don't want to move on. This gets cooler. According to McGee, when cats and dogs use smell to communicate with with each other, they release molecules. Right. It's when these molecules get wet that they break down into smaller molecules that become very gross and smelly. That's springtime. Like winter, nothing breaks down. Much fresher, cleaner Mm, smelling. Spring, everything's breaking down. All the stuff in the winter, it's all breaking down. It's all wet and stinks so bad. If these smells... (laughs) that are related to the way many foods smell because both contain a lot of sulfur. Right. Sulfur molecules are found in foods like meats, tropical fruits, like passion fruits, and black currants. Human sweat also has a lot of sulfur. 
there's the connection. The sulfur. Yeah. Uh, last bit about smells. It yeah. turns out that these small smelly molecules that can overwhelm our sense of smell are triggered by water. When we eat something dry like chocolate, the moisture of our mouth activates the dormant smell molecules in the chocolate, which then gives it the great taste that chocolate has. Ah. It's far more powerful smell experience compared to the smell of dry chocolate. Yeah. Not that chocolate smells bad, but not nearly as good as hot chocolate. Hot chocolate, right? You must smell a hot chocolate. Who can withstand the smell of hot chocolate? Yeah, well, just like turkey soup smells so much better than actual turkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, smelling a raw turkey? No, thank you. It does not make me hungry. You gotta just get past it. You gotta yeah, get yeah. past it. Thanks, Lily. Yes, no problem. Time for the bucket list. Denis Lebrun is the owner-operator of Lac Bryson. It's a beautiful resort I had the privilege of visiting with my family this past summer. Hello, how's it going there? Tell us, where are you located, just so uh, people have an idea of where you are situated on the big map of Canada here? Absolutely. So Lac Bryson is located about 200 kilometers uh, west of Ottawa. So we're located in the southwestern part of Quebec. In my mind, it was like... uh, it was like a resort in the middle of nowhere. Yes, we are pretty remote. What, what we have is we have uh, 17 um, exclusive lakes with exclusive rights for fishing. Uh, we have 15 cottages located all around the main lake. Uh, we have some at the main lodge. Plus, we have some remote cottages located even on islands. So we have uh, a good variety of different kind of cottages to offer people. And the cottage we stayed in was in a strip of cottages, almost like a motel. You pull in on one side, you load in, you know, everything's so handy, nice level access, you know, very easy to move around, very well-maintained uh, property. And you walk through the combination very spacious and then out the other side and you're on a big deck overlooking the lake absolutely magical yeah that was one of our suites there we have uh, this one building a little bigger and then we also have 15 other cottages we definitely have all lake view of the lake bryson you really have a variety and each lake has its own unique characteristic we have uh, four major fish species at bryson lake lodge uh, on bryson lake it's predominantly the walleye or pickerel they're called And uh, we have other lakes with brook trout fishing. We have northern pike. And we also have big lake trout in Bryson Lake. I got to experience all of those with you, my friend. It was amazing. It was like a naked grand slam. Where else do you get to go? And, you know, within the first 24 hours, we had caught walleye. We had caught speckled trout from a canoe. We had caught lake trout from a boat. All the big species that you think about in Canada, we caught those iconic fish within 24 hours. I mean, I'm done. <laughs> that is definitely one thing we do really push on is the, the variety of fish species we have. And like also the northern pike, uh, there's many smaller lakes that just have northern pike. Often we see they're either like to fish like the pike and walleye, and then you get other people want to fish the trout species. So at Bryson Lake, you can go off in your own directions and fish many different kinds of species through your, through your holiday. Denny, what I found amazing, too, is, is your commitment to conservation with your catch-and-release promotion and, and your stocking and, you know, the way you rotate guests around in the different bodies of water. I mean, some of those lakes, you, you have a limits on how many people can be on a lake at a time. We have yes. one boat per lake at any one time. You really take conservation seriously. 
We sure do. As, as I am a fish and wildlife technologist, I went to school for three years for that, and I really love the outdoors. Um, we really uh, are in the regulations of releasing the smaller walleye and also the bigger walleye, give them a chance to, to get beer. And also we have uh, seven different uh, speckled trout lakes or brook trout that we do stocking in the springtime, and we do limit the number of people that can go on each of those lakes. So it really keeps good fishing, quality fishing, all year long at Bryson Lake. You really spread out the load, don't you? I mean, you've got, like you said, the 15 cottages there, but everyone's spread out so much across your uh, property, and you manage that property, so there's no real pressure point anywhere in that environment. No, we have 142 square kilometers of exclusive fishing rights. That means it's only our customers fishing on the lake. It's like a private area, private lake. So it really keeps the good fishing all summer long. That's the definition of bucket list. Yes, absolutely. Now, there's certainly a lot more to do there. I mean, my family was well entertained. Uh, my daughter was hanging around with your daughter and getting to meet her pet squirrel. Did the squirrel get released okay in the end? Uh, yes, it did. Yeah, it got released in the end. Oh, absolutely. little wildlife rescue mission going on there, thanks to your daughter. And she's, she's grown up her whole life growing up on that lake every summer, hasn't she? She sure has. She sure has. Well, we do really cater to an outdoor fishing adventure for the family. So outdoor families, if they wanted to experience something like this, we can offer, you know, really nice accommodations. And we're not too far away. Like, we're actually close. And people don't realize how you could be remote yet so close. Well, just that last drive in right through the forest on that uh, beautifully maintained road. But the more you go down that road, you realize, wow, we're really getting into the uh, into yeah. the wilderness here, really into the forest. You know, and a sense of disconnection from the rest of society. It was a nice unplugging. I mean, we weren't unplugged totally. You have that Wi-Fi there at the lodge yes, every, if you needed it. And uh, electricity, uh, you know, at certain times of day when you need it, and batteries backing up the rest of But the rest of the time, you know, you were totally off the grid. We do have a lot of services that we offer people. Like, we do have boat motor rentals. We have a nice boat launch. We, have, we sell fishing licenses. We have a small little store in our office with bait, ice, tackle, snacks. And like you did say, we do have Wi-Fi. We offer a guide service. We have a games room. Um, we have a, a place for the parents and teens to hang out in that games room with a lot of ping pong, pool table, air hockey. We also have a little area for smaller kids, like a little playground. And people love to canoe. We have canoes, kayaks, paddle boards. The lake is beautiful to swim. Really clear, clear water. Who's coming up there, Denny? Like, I, I'm sure we're not the only family. And, you know, you know, it's not like a traditional fishing lodge where, you know, it used to be the case where a bunch of guys would go to get away from their families and have their time away in the bush with their buddies to reconnect. We do cater to a lot of like bigger groups of people coming up just to fish. Then we have the couples that want to come up and experience something remote in a nice little cottage. And then we do get a lot of families once we get into late June and July and August. And I really love July and August. That's some of the best fishing we have where everything is biting and uh, the weather is so nice and calm and uh, the black flies are all done. All the mosquitoes are done, so that's the best time to come up. What should people bring? And my truck's always full of gear and everything, but I think 90% of it I left in the truck. There really wasn't much I needed. Yeah, it, the cabins are really fully equipped. The main things you got to bring up is your food, uh, your bedding, and your fishing gear. And if you need supplies, how far away is that? Well, the last spot for, for gas is in the town of Fort Clunge or Mansfield. 
Um, there, there's, lo- there's three local gas stations. Uh, there's also local food, uh, uh, grocery stores to get your groceries. Uh, you're still looking at about 72 kilometers is the last place, so about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes away. It's a good drive, folks. You know, you plan a little bit what you're going to bring in, but it's always there if, if there's an emergency. You can get out and get whatever you need. Yeah, and we do have a little store at the main lodge with a lot of essential stuff, too, if you're short on something. Yeah, and my kids enjoyed that. Uh, we do have our website that has a little list of things that you could bring up just in case, but the cabins are really fully equipped. It's, they seem really accessible, too. I mean, the whole property seems very accessible, very well maintained. It's not uh, difficult to get around, very level, just accessible in general. Yeah, we we really wanted to keep the place up, so it's it's really friendly for the people when they arrive. They're greeted at the main lodge. Um, if they're going to a more remote cottage, um, they can go down and, and either rent a boat or bring their own boat, and they load their gear, and they take their all their gear to their cottage if they want that remote experience. If it's a family looking at a first time and they want to stay near the main camp, there's definitely a lot more going on at the main camp, so uh, they can get directions on best fishing spots and uh, where to go. Families for sure were there, but at the same time, I never heard a lot of motors running around, big boats or jet skis, wake boats, uh, things like that. Very quiet. Yeah, we've actually had the place since 1993, and honestly, I've never had jet skis. Yeah. We've never had a jet ski ever on Bryson Lake. So <laughs> it is kind of a unique place where it's, it's not that kind of a, of a place to go. But, I mean, we do have some of the kids that will go out on the tubes uh, with the family in the later in the months, in the summer months. But uh, realistically, it's, it's a great fishing spot, you know. Swimming too. Next thing you know, we're talking and you know, getting ready. We're putting together this big feast. I was up there with Tourism Pontiac. We were putting together some tourism material yeah. and uh, doing some videotaping up there. We put up together this beautiful feast, and people are gonna have to see this uh, video. All this beautiful food, local organic food, wine made in the area, fresh fish. A great chef, outdoor chef. I was working with uh, to put all this feast together. It was just a magical evening. Next thing you know. Their kids are all swimming off the dock, and they've got yeah. my guide dog down there, and they're teaching him how to leap off the end of the dock. Imagine that. I never thought my dog was uh, was that kind of swimming dog. I just got the dog. I only had him, a, you know, a few months at that point. And then for the kids to teach him take these running leaps off the dock, I said, you know, I said, oh, my God, I'm just thinking to myself, that's going to be me connected to that dog at some time, <laughs> leaping <laughs> off the end of a dock. <laughs> oh, I hope not. I know it was a beautiful time. We really enjoyed our time with you. Oh, it really was. I do take him swimming every day now, and and, uh, and he loves to swim. This is a guy dog that just loves to swim, and, and he, he really is motivated to that. It's so cool to be able to swim with your guy dog, without the harness, of course. Yes, that sounds awesome. That sounds great. You must have to, the place shut down now for the winter. It must be like leaving a baby behind, you know, when you have to walk away from that place at the end of the season. We sure do miss when we close up the place, but uh, there's a lot of snow up there, and uh, the only access up there is snowmobile that time of year. We always look forward to getting up there early spring uh, this would be like the end of april we're the first ones up to the up on these roads and and getting the place ready for next year it's a uh, it's something we look forward to and we always get excited this as we get closer to the nicer weather for sure the fall and winter all spent going to outdoor shows and you know talking to people about your facility and dreaming and people planning and dreaming and that's what we're doing right now planning Absolutely. the dreaming my friend yep. I'm getting calls all the time. Uh, we have a website, uh, lackbryson.com, lackbryson.com. There's a lot of information there, and uh, we've got a lot of people that are looking forward to some nice uh, experiences with the family and fishing with the buddies and, and getting outside and getting in the outdoors. Uh, 
I'm not the one to really like winter too much, but I can't wait for, for spring again. Oh, man, me too. Me too, sir. Hey, thanks so much, Denis, for joining us today on Outdoors with uh, Lawrence Gunther. And uh, and we'll be back, man. And we'll have that video coming out soon, so that'll keep my uh, memories fresh about the beauty of being up at your uh, facility there. We, we really enjoyed having you there, Lawrence, with us. Outdoor tips and tech. Six degrees on your left, 122 meters. Here's an AMI This Week shortcut with Lawrence Gunther. I love cooking over an open fire. You know, the feel of the flame, the smell of the smoke, the sizzle, and the smell of that meat on the grill. Nothing better, right? It's just pure nature, outdoors, love it. But when I'm in the city, I love to cook on my fire disc grill. It's a pan that can hold 20 gallons of food. It's big, you can't make a mess. It's really blind friendly. I've got a large cutting board. We're gonna chop up some vegetables and we're gonna do some sous viding. I've got the sous vide hooked up to my iPhone and I'm gonna share why I think it's the greatest invention since sliced bread. You just can't overcook your food. Let's make a meal. I'm gonna start by using a sous vide for my sausages. Sous vide is a form of cooking in water using vacuum sealed bags. You can just use Ziploc baggies as well. Anova is the one who makes this one and I've got the app here on my phone. The app allows me to control the temperature of the water and the timer and will let me know when it's done. So I've lifted the sous vide out of the pot. It's got a clamp on the back so you can clamp it to the edge of the pot so it doesn't tip over. It's about the size of a one liter bottle of water. It's like a cylinder shape with a display on the top. So for people who have sight, they can see at the top and they can touch screen it. But I use it all with my iPhone with the voiceover so I don't need to see the top of it. Otherwise, it's a, it's a very simple device. It just plugs into your wall socket. I drop it into the pot, clamp it on. This pot is full of water. You don't put your food in the water, you put your food in a bag and put that in the water. So the sous vide never gets dirty, neither does the pot. Three reasons why I like cooking using the sous vide method with this Anova cooker. Number one, you can't burn yourself. You're never dealing with boiling pots of water. Number two, you can never overcook your food. So if you're listening to a great podcast or something on AMI audio or TV and you lose track of time, no worries. Number three, fully accessible. Set tap. Zero. Zero degrees Fahrenheit. So we're going to chop all our vegetables into bite-sized pieces. We're not dicing our vegetables. We're not making a sauce. We're making bite-sized pieces that are easy to find on your plate with your fork. It's not a matter of scooping things up. What you find is always going to be a mouthful. Here's a few tips to make sure your hands are safe. Never stretch your fingers straight out when you're holding your vegetables. Curl your fingers in, even your thumb. So when you're chopping across the vegetable and you come to your thumb, you're not cutting off the tip of your thumb. You're banging the back of the blade against the back of your thumb. Everyone's safe. I start with the carrot, fennel, and orange pepper. Nice big pieces to make it easy to find on your plate and stick your fork into. I'm gonna put all these cut up pieces into a big bowl, then cut up an onion into big chunks as well, and break apart the broccoli with my fingers. With these mushrooms, we'll take the stems off, set those aside, we're not gonna use them. The mushrooms are so soft, you don't even need a knife. You can just pull them apart with your fingers. Last two pieces, garlic and ginger. Which is which, they're about the same size. That's the garlic. Gonna chop some garlic and use my grater to grate the ginger right into the bowl on top of the vegetables. Let's fire up the fire disc. Got my barbecue starter, turning on the valve now. 
the fire disc is getting hot. I can feel it getting hot. I'm gonna put some canola oil in there. There's all sorts of different cooking oils. You wanna use one that can take high heat. Canola oil can take high heat. As my fire disc heats up, I'm taking the sausage out of the sous vide pot and dry them off with some paper towel to make sure they don't splatter when they hit the hot oil. I'm gonna add the vegetables, but you know what, a little tip, whenever I'm cooking with anything hot, I always keep a square of cold, wet towel handy. If I, my finger gets burnt or starts to burn right away, I touch it to the towel, it stops the burning instantly. Oh yeah, this pan's nice and hot. Let's get, add the vegetables. I cook in the middle of the fire disc, spread everything out, so everything's making contact with the bottom of the fire disc. Now it's cooking evenly. I'm not gonna turn it, I'm not gonna flip it. I'm just gonna keep it in the center area where the hottest part of the disc is. I'm gonna move these vegetables off to the side a bit here, make a little bit of space in the center, and add my potatoes. They're pre-boiled, so they just need to be browned up now. I'm gonna add the broccoli as well. This won't take long to cook, so they're going in last. Smells good. The veggies are cooked. I can tell when I, with my spatula, I'm almost using it like a white cane. It's soft. They're not hard anymore. They don't feel hard. They're feeling soft. That's the way, I don't want to have them mushy, but I don't want them have them, I don't want to have them hard either. I want them to be just perfect. A little bit of crunch. Let's add the sausages. Now remember, these sausages were already cooked in the sous vide. They're perfectly cooked. All I'm doing now is browning them. Everything's cooked. Let's get it out. Put it in this giant bowl here. It's all going in the same bowl. It's all gonna end up on the same plates. I'm not worried about mixing it together. People can just pick out the pieces they want, pick out the vegetables they want. Who's hungry? I know I am. Doesn't matter if you're by the lake or in the forest or camping at a provincial park. The point is we're cooking outside and we're making healthy food for the family. I'm Lawrence Gunther. I'll talk to you next time. You can cook outside year-round. In the summer on your back deck, everyone knows that. But you know, out on the ice in front of the ice shack, get that propane grill out. Nothing's better than cooking up some hot sausage, pouring out some hot chocolate, some tea or coffee. It warms you up and you need food. You need good warm food when you're out on the ice all day because you burn a lot of energy. You burn a lot just staying warm. You gotta stoke the furnace, folks. Hope you enjoyed Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther with me and Lily. Take care, folks. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or visit me at lawrencegunther.com to keep up to date on my blogs and videos. Subscribe to get the latest episodes of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther by visiting your favorite podcast provider. And please take some time to rank us and give us some comments on your podcast provider's site so other people will learn about our new show. Send me your feedback, suggestions, and questions on email at feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at AMI-audio. I want to thank Nazreen Abdel-Majid, Sam Robinson, and Paula Deneen. They're my technicians. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.
The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.